of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Welcome to another uncanny episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. It's the only podcast talking comic book-based animation, and my name is not Matt Spectro. I am Mike Crockett. I am multi-time multiverse guest, now guest host, as Matt makes his way back from the happiest place on Earth, Disney World. And it kind of ties into today's episode, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Before we do, let's go over the rules. It's comic book animation. Got it? Good. Number two, Matt is a big fan of the team-up books. The only one I ever read was really Marvel Team-Up. But anyway, that's why this is a team-up podcast. Every week, the host and a special guest talk comic book cartoons. And third, and this is most importantly, we gotta have fun. Welcome to episode 78. You heard last week, Jamie Jamikowski do episode 77 on Batman for about the... 57th time. Uh, so we're going to try something uh, way off the beaten path here for this week. And that's all thanks to my guest. He is the co-host of GFA Live, a podcast stemming from the Greetings from Allentown Pro Wrestling Podcast. And usually they're dissecting a different classic wrestling television episode every week. This time out, the co-host is going to be dissecting an episode of a comic book cartoon and that man is Keith Langston. Hello, Keith. Hello, hello. How are you, Mr. Crockett? I'm very well. Good to have you here. Great to be on, and I'm, I'm going to give you the utmost respect because of your long history of not only in the podcast game, but in uh, your long history as one of the great independent referees in the independent in- industry here in the Boston market. So congratulations. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor for me to be here with you tonight. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I mean, I was just going to kind of talk bad about Peter Winston and say that he kind of, uh, he bowed out and kind of saddled me with you. But I mean, now, with that, uh, singing my praises like that, my, uh, that's no problem. I'm, I appreciate you being here. This is no surprise. I knew he would do this. He's done this a few times on me now where he kind of <laughs> kind of throws a, you know, a U-Haul, a U-Haul, a Greyhound on top of me. But uh, it was... The, the first time it happened, I, I recorded a Saturday night's main event, and I think I supplanted him as the the voice of greetings from Allentown now for that crew. And I'm pretty sure that moving forward, you and I are going to become best friends forever because, yeah, uh, there's a reason why he and I are still doing that show. Uh, I bring all the personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter's got a very unique personality all, of, all his own. <laughs> uh, no, I love Pete. Pete and I get along great. We actually... We talked for hours. He called me when he went to he went to SummerSlam and he was driving from uh, Memphis to Cincinnati and he was on the road and he called me and we talked for like 45 minutes and 45 minutes in he goes, shit, I should have recorded this. 
great intro for a pod. And I went, Pete, no one wants to listen to you telling me about the road signs you're passing. Yeah, I, I feel the same way when I was sitting next to him at like a chaotic show. You just feel like oh, I'm just I feel like I'm just listening to a Greetings from Valentine episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when you get in when you get him talking about how he parlays his bets, his hockey bets, and what his thoughts are on the current status of the uh Baltimore Orioles minor league system, it's it's amazing. I mean, the man is just he's a he's a wealth of he's a wealth of useless knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought he might be good for this. But he said uh, that you're the man when it comes to comic books and cartoons. So glad to have you here. Yeah, I do. I tend to. Thank you. I tend to be. Uh, you know, I I've always watched cartoons. I mean, I remember sitting on my floor Saturday mornings watching Saturday morning cartoons, and then getting into comic books. I got into comic books actually a little later in life. And uh, I was kind of I I went full bore. I mean, I was reading everything that I could, and uh, so this is this has been kind of a passion for me, and so I'm really looking forward to this. And this is a great episode. I feel like that we watch. I mean, the fact that you were a comic book guy, uh, you actually worked at a comic book shop. We were talking just before we were hit record. It's a little perplexing to me what you decided to pick to watch today. You said you wanted to watch. The late 80s cartoon classic, DuckTales. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo! Absolutely. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd do that. <laughs> so how did, how did you arrive on DuckTales? Well, to pull back the curtain, you would say, hey, we want to record a show, and you'd give me the rules that it was an animation based off of a comic. And I went and I looked at the list of previous shows, and as you said, Batman had been done 57 times. And I said... Well, and not that Batman the Animated Series isn't a fantastic show, and um, but I had also seen, I think, I think somebody, I think the X-Men, the 90s show from the X-Men had been done, and so I kind of thought, and I said, geez, I wonder if there's like a good show that hadn't been done before, and I looked and I went, oh, I don't think that anybody has ever done an episode of DuckTales, and uh, DuckTales spun out from the Scrooge, Uncle Scrooge comic that Disney, that had put out, been put out years ago, and that was a show that I loved when it was out back in like the you know late eighties. I mean, I was still young enough to watch cartoons and everything. And but the biggest reason why I love that show so much is because of the phenomenal Nintendo game that came out based off of DuckTales. And it was <laughs> probably I remember it being one of my favorite Nintendo games back when I was a kid playing the DuckTales Nintendo game. <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah, my first instinct when you said DuckTales, I was like. Uh, well, it's not based on a comic book. I have to think of something else. But like, I <laughs> checked my trusted online sources, aka Wikipedia, and I discovered, yeah, basically it was. Uh, they say that it is based on a comic called Uncle Scrooge, mm-hmm. and uh, the character Scrooge McDuck. Let's get into this. The richest duck in the world was created in 1947 by Carl Barks. Prior to 1960, due to Disney policy, Barks' contributions were kind of under wraps. They just say it's like, you know, Disney made this uh, guy. Many readers would recognize his work, even though they didn't know who his name was, and they began to call him the Good Duck Artist. And that label actually stuck to him after his true identity was discovered by fans. And he's been called uh, by someone named Will Eisner the Hans Christian Andersen of comic books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carl Barks. So, um, yeah. So, originally, Scrooge McDuck was the antagonist for Donald Duck, and he first appeared in Christmas on Bear Mountain, 
And that was in Four Color Comics, number 178, published by Dell Comics. His popularity grew to the point where he became the main character in stories for Four Color Comics, starting with the number 386 in March of 1952. Mm. And later that year, he was given his own comic, Uncle Scrooge. So 1952, the first um, issue of Uncle Scrooge came out. So, uh, yeah, the Uncle Scrooge story is usually centered around Scrooge McDuck, of course, Donald Duck, uh, we all know him, and uh, Donald's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Now, uh, Donald Duck, I think, in the DuckTales show, uh, made rare appearances, but he wasn't a main character, right? Correct. He was. He made, very, I think, very rare appearances. I believe he's in the pilot. Pilot. Pilot of a cartoon. It is a pilot, technically. But I believe he's in the pilot because I think that's where he drops off Huey, Dewey, and Louie with Uncle Scrooge. But then again, it's kind of weird. It's it's Donald's their uncle, and they're, he's bringing his nephews to his other uncle. Yeah. Where's Huey, Dewey, and Louie's parents? That's what I'm trying to <laughs> And I you never could understand where the hell his parent, their parents were. But, you know, <laughs> stupid kids. <laughs> it's really yeah it's really kind of uh the the family tree of of the ducks is just uh hard to figure out mm-hmm. uh so yeah let's get into it the ducktales tv series has the distinction of being the first disney cartoon to be produced for weekday syndication and its success kind of uh led to chippendale rescue rangers and tailspin so yeah the ducktales was the first one to do you know five days a week god I love Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2, Tailspin. I loved all the Disney stuff. I mean, Disney still puts out good stuff nowadays. I mean, I know that they re they rebooted DuckTales uh, a few years ago. Yes. Like, legit character actors. David Tennant, Danny Pudi, Bobby Monaghan. I mean, that's like legit Beck Bennett. I mean, those are pretty legit people, in at least in television today. And uh, so, But the original cast... That was all, I think it was big to do people back in the day for voice acting, for cat, for character work, Alan Young, Chuck McCann. I mean, those were all people that did like other shows and things like that. So, uh, it's kind of like when you go and you watch Animaniacs and you see like all the, you know, you know, people know those character voice actors because they show up at, you know, uh, conventions and things like that. But we didn't know who these people were back in the day. You know, it's like. Kind of like the agents in the WWF. You didn't know who they were back in the day, but you knew they were there. You always saw them, you know? <laughs> right, right. So Walt Disney Television Animation produced the show, and they handed off the animation to a number of studios, including Wang Film Productions, Cuckoo's Nest Studio, and TMS Entertainment, because they were looking to up the quality of their cartoons, which in the 80s, they were kind of lacking a little bit, uh, some of these shows you see in the 80s. Uh, so these animation houses previously handled the Wuzzles and Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Oh. Both of which were deemed higher quality products than what was seen at the time. So, uh, yeah, they uh, they wanted to uh, raise the game in terms of uh, animation in the 80s. Okay, so DuckTales premiered in syndication and on the Disney Channel on September 18th, 1987, and they aired 100 episodes over four seasons. Mm -hmm. So today, we're going through the multiverse to October 20th, 1987 for um, an episode from season one. I saw conflicting information that it was episode number 23. Some said 27. I saw 52 at one point. So I'm not sure exactly what episode it is. And we'll get into why it's it's a little uh, 
wonky in just a second, but uh, this episode of DuckTales is titled Launchpad's Civil War. It was directed by Steve Clark and written by Pamela Hickey and Dennis McCoy. So yeah, there's some controversy regarding this episode. It is uh, you told me, oh, you know, DuckTales, it's on uh, Disney Plus. So I went to hop on there to find it and couldn't. And as it turns out, it is not on Disney Plus. So uh, if you want to watch this episode today before we get into the review, you'll have to look, uh, find some nefarious means or just type in Launchpad's uh, Civil War in uh, Google and then something will come right up. Uh, that's, that's where we found it. Uh, as it turns out, there's two episodes, Launchpad Civil War and Sphinx for the Memories that are not on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Sphinx is apparently due to uh, insensitive cultural depictions, uh, most people think. And Civil War, uh, probably because of the presence of the Confederate flag. Mm. Um, that's really funny. I think Sphinx for the Memories was the other episode that I told you about. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't. it wasn't that one. It was another one. It was a um, Lost Crown of Genghis Khan. That was the other episode that I had said. And it's because um, that's actually loosely based off a of Karl Bark story of the same name. So that was why I said if we couldn't watch this one, we should watch that one. Because at least it's based off an actual comic. But, yeah, no, this was... Uh, it's funny reading the it's a little tricky reading the synopsis, I guess, of the, the one, the three sentence synopsis that Wikipedia has for this episode. There's something that's in there that uh, I didn't really get from the show. And maybe you did or didn't as well. So we could talk about that when it comes up. But, uh, you know, it's a, it was a fun episode nonetheless. But, yeah, I saw I saw the Confederate flag, I think, two or three times. And I went, oh, that must be why they pulled it, which. It really bothers me nowadays when shows get pulled. Um, I know that uh, I have a nephew who's he's going to be 14 this next week, actually. But when he was young, my brother would go to the library and rent the old Looney Tunes DVDs. Yeah. All of them at the beginning had a disclaimer that said these are kept in the original format. However, just so you know, things were messed up back then. And people were depicting things, really racially insensitive things, a lot. So please note that we're keeping this for, you know, posterity so that you can see how just how messed up things were back in the 50s. But, you know, we're not changing it. And I feel like that's what should happen now, as opposed to doing things like cutting it or or, you know, taking it out or whatever the case may be, because there's a lot of there's a reason why that stuff was allowed back then. I mean, it was because people were less sensitive or less insensitive I should more insensitive I don't know how I would say that but like you know it should be allowed so I have a problem with that that's there's like two episodes of community that are pulled from Netflix and one of them is considered to be the best episode of community and that's the advanced Dungeons and Dragons and it's pulled because Ken Jong is in blackface but he's in legit blackface because he's playing like a dark elf and he's almost like in silver face and it's just and he even kind of goose on the fact that he's in blackface. And it bothers me that they pull that from Netflix because of the insensitivity of him playing blackface. And it's like, but it's like considered to be the best episode of the show. So I don't like that they pulled this from Disney Plus. I'm a little upset. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like, yeah, it's there's no standards. Like sometimes they uh, in certain situations, they, they'll put the disclaimer and sometimes they'll just decide to pull it. So it's there's no like standard way to go about this and. 
Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, just, I don't know, I guess you just have to deal with it and find it online for the moment. But um, the the funny thing about, we're talking about all this stuff with Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> the funniest thing about the fact that we're watching this episode is Uncle Scrooge is nowhere to be found. <laughs> He's not anywhere near this. <laughs> no, but uh, amazing. We'll, we'll get into the voice acting. Anyway, uh, you mentioned him. Alan Young would be the voice of Scrooge McDuck if he was uh, available. And <laughs> But he is actually in this episode. He plays one of the old uh, soldiers. Um, so um, Scrooge McDuck was created by Carl Barks. Uh, Alan Young, he was also a uh, farmer Smurf, who's one of the like uh, the later I think additions to the Smurfs. Haggis McHaggis on Ren and Stimpy, he was that, and he was he actually played Wilbur on Mister Ed. Really? Which I couldn't imagine. Yeah, he's like the the human playing off the horse. He was the straight man of the talking horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's how old Alan Young is, uh, who has passed away, by the way. Uh, so uh, understandably, I think. <laughs> he was also, I don't know if anybody saw this. Uh, he was in Beverly Hills Cop 3. And I believe he's the owner. He's Uncle Dave Thornton. He's the owner of the uh, amusement park that the majority of the movie takes place in. <laughs> oh, really? If anybody saw it's not a good movie. But if anybody saw it, <laughs> that's where he is. <laughs> Now, Launchpad McQuack, he is in this episode, and he is a creation of the cartoon. He was not in the comics beforehand. His voice done by Terry McGovern. He is an actor and a voice talent, and he had guest roles, uh, live action, in just about every 70s or 80s TV show you can think of. Yeah. Name me a show from the 70s and 80s. Hmm. 70s and 80s. Uh, was he in Three's Company? Yes, he was. Oh. <laughs> 100%. Spencer for Hire, uh, like anything you can think of. He was he was on it for like, you know, a cameo, one episode. Oh, okay. So he, he, did, he did everything. But he also did voices on Transformers and My Little Pony. So that's uh, Terry McGovern, Launchpad McQuack, who's basically the main character of this episode of the uh, DuckTales show. Huey, Dewey, and Louie Duck. They are created by Ted Osborne and Al... Talia Farrow, uh, the late Russi Taylor, does the voice of uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. She's actually from Cambridge, Massachusetts, so she's a local girl, or was a local girl. <laughs> she was actually the official voice of Minnie Mouse from 1986 until she passed in 2019. Oh, wow. So she's uh, royalty in terms of uh, Disney voice actors. Not only that, she voiced Martin on The Simpsons as well. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. So she's done some classics. Oh, man. And she passed away? Yeah. Shame. So that means I wonder if they'll I wonder if they'll have Martin on anymore. I guess they don't really need Martin. Martin's a kind of a good throwaway character. But well, that's a shame. He has had some great lines over the years. <laughs> so Doofus Drake, he is uh, friends with the, the nephews and with Launchpad. He is also an original creation of the cartoon. Brian Cummings does his voice. He was on the Adventures of the Gummy Bears, G.I. Joe. Uh, I think he was the father, Papa Bear, on the Berenstain Bears. Uh, so that is Doofus Drake. Colonel Beauregard Dubark. <laughs> the voice uh, done by Alan Oppenheimer, who is a legend yeah. in uh, voice acting. He was Vanity Smurf. 
He was Skeletor, of course, in He-Man, the original Masters of the Universe cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a shame Peter Winston isn't here because I could tell him and he would go off for 10 minutes. Alan Oppenheimer was in the Mr. Belvedere pilot. <laughs> Interesting. Who was he in the pilot? <laughs> I don't know. Some guy. <laughs> He's in the pilot night. Oh, it's a- Pete would know. Peter would absolutely know. Peter. <laughs> he, oh, he was the guy that was in the bus station that borrowed a quarter from Mr. Belvedere in order to call home. <laughs> uh, there's a couple more characters. Uh, finally, I just wanted to mention this character. He he played Grace the Horse. And he, he played one of the soldiers as well. Frank Welker, mm. another legend in uh, voice acting. Yep. He was, of course, Fred... And Scooby-Doo on Scooby-Doo. Tons of iterations of Scooby-Doo just all through the years up until today. And uh, my personal favorite, he was also Iceman on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So uh, Frank Welker also makes an appearance as a a horse, essentially, in this episode. Still going strong, I believe, too. Still Frank Welker. Yeah. Still doing stuff for Scooby-Doo. Amazing. Okay, so those are the players. And now, uh, usually... Matt uh, acts like we haven't watched the show yet, and we're going to go watch it now. But uh, I'll do it just for his sake. We're going to watch DuckTales Season 1, Episode 20-something, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It's called Launchpad Civil War. We're going to watch it. We'll take a break, watch it with us, and come right back and hear what we think. Yep. No time for stealing, Beagle Boy. We're making movies. Hey, camera. The word is out. And the wait is over. No, let's really party. Non-stop adventure is headed your way. Great idea. Get ready for the ride of your life. Oh, wow. With Disney's DuckTales. DuckTales, weekdays at 4.30, only on Fox Channel 5. We invited an expert team to our laboratory to give us their opinions of Disney's DuckTales video game from Capcom. Yes! Awesome! You'll have exciting adventures helping Scrooge McDuck escape danger and become the richest duck in the world. Cool. Totally hot. Way radical, man. Excellent. It's a quacker. Disney's DuckTales game for your Nintendo Entertainment System by Capcom. Watch Mr. Belvedere or I'll hold my breath till I croak. Now that's a tempting offer. Weekdays at 5 on WROC Channel 8. The magic of Disney comes to you this Christmas with six of those lovable DuckTales characters as featured on TV. Only 99 cents each at Sudoku. Add a touch of magic to every stocking with Disney's DuckTales. Collect a new figurine every time you fill up with a participating Sunoco. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice... Solve a mystery or rewrite history. DuckTales Every day that I've been making DuckTales Tales of Gavin do that and DuckTales And we are back and we just watched hours ago DuckTales episode Launchpad Civil War and Keith Langston 
I mean, you've referenced it uh, at least once, maybe twice. The show's theme song is one of the all-time classics, written by Mark Mueller. Oh, I love that song. That's up there with you could you could play that every morning to get yourself up out of bed, and it would be just ducktail a woo. I mean, it's just even the opening itself. It, it just there's my, my I think my favorite part of the opening is it, it, and it's the ending of the of the opening is when uh, what's it? It's Scrooge. It's it's Uncle Scrooge, and then it's uh, who, like Seamus Mac MacDuck or whatever, and they're climbing up the pillar to get the genie lamp. It looks like, and there's just this amazing crescendo of like the of the opening theme, and ah, just chest kiss. I'm telling you. <laughs> so let's get into this episode. And by the way, they say that Launchpad's voice was inspired by John Ratzenberger. I can hear it. I can. I don't know why they didn't just get John Ratzenberger to be. <laughs> he was available. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's just sitting on a bar stool and cheers. You know, uh, these are uh, <laughs> one of the things that I laugh at is I use the people who have never been in my kitchen. I use that line a lot, which is the answer that he gives in Final Jeopardy <laughs> episode. Yes. Like one of my favorite lines to use is I just say like, oh, these are people that have never been in my kitchen. And uh, yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, John Ratzenberger, who it's funny that he would go on to be such a fixture in every Pixar movie. Right. It's so funny that that's where they, the, the style of his, of his voice off of that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It's like you said, when they just get the guy. But anyway, we begin the episode in Launchpad's hangar and Launchpad is there along with his uh, buddy Doofus, Huey, Dewey and Louie. And they're preparing launch pads plane for some flight, I guess, because uh, who knows? Well, it looked, so, it, I thought it, they were repairing it because it was broken yet again. Oh, because, yeah, he uh, if he can fly it, he'll crash it. What, how, what's his catchphrase? Yeah, if I can fly it, I can crash it, something like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Doofus, the uh, cousin Oliver of uh, <laughs> this animated show, that guy was so annoying. Ugh. I just I see him show up and I go, oh, boy, like just with the friggin old school camera flash, the flash bulbs making everybody blind. It's like, come on, guys. Seriously, was this really something that made children laugh? I guess. I mean, I still kind of laughed a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> so uh, Launchpad is telling some long winded story and he's using one of those bike pumps to inflate one of the tires, like the the landing gear of the plane. So he's going on and on and isn't paying attention and blows the wheel up to the size of like a monster truck tire. Mm -hmm. So when he finally notices, somehow the air comes out of the tire and goes back into the pump, which causes the pump to bounce around like a pogo stick, which sends him across the room. He lands in a bucket of water or, or he, he jumps into a bucket of water and then the he's in the bucket of water and he careens into a pile of tires. So, uh, yeah, we, we get the distinct feeling the launch pad is a little bit of a klutz. I would say so. Um, as we see later on, it, it runs in his family. And um, his motto was, if it has wings, I can crash it. I just I had to look that up. It was going to drive me crazy. If I didn't. <laughs> you know. So uh, just as uh, he careens into the tires, a bike messenger shows up at the hangar with a quackagram. Yeah. Yes. Quackagram. The good. Uh, the puns, the duck puns, the uh, foul puns, if you will, are just so. <laughs> So flourish this plentiful oh and plentiful yes plentiful like the Thanksgiving feast that will be coming up soon yes <laughs> so uh, Launchpad gets this um, 
this invite. He's cordially invited to the Duck Ridge Civil War pageant. Yes. Which seems pretty, uh, I don't know if that, that might be insensitive. And it's like they're, they're having a pageant for a war. It seems a little odd to me. Well, I mean, now little, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Battle of Duck Ridge is a reference to the Battle of Oak Ridge, which I believe took place during uh, the Battle of Gettysburg. Uh, so um, just employing the wooded ridge as a screen from Union Cavalry north of Gettysburg, um, General Rhodes brought his guns into position on Oak Ridge and opened fire on the flank of General Abner Doubleday. Um, so interesting, you know who General Abner Doubleday is? Uh, he has something to do with the books? He was the man that invented baseball, allegedly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thing that the Battle of Duck Ridge took, is a reference to the Battle of Oak Ridge, which, again, was from one of the battles during the Battle of Gettysburg, which is considered one of the biggest battles of the Civil War. So, yeah, little little truth in their uh, spoofing there, which I liked. Well, thank God you're here, because... <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the nephews says, wow, the Civil War happened a long, long time ago. <laughs> and Launchpad reacts saying, you mean I missed it? So apparently they want Launchpad to play the role of General Rhubar McQuack in the reenactment of the Battle of Duck Ridge. And that is, uh, of course, Launchpad's great, great grandfather. Yes. Keep that in mind. Great, great, great. Three greats or two greats? Great. I think there's two. Two great. So great, great grandfather. So that means he was four generations ago from Launchpad. So just keep that in mind for future reference. Okay. I have to ask this reality is this the United States? Is this like the same Civil War where we know, or, or is this just completely something else? I, I don't know. Because, like, if. Yeah, once you see the flags, it's like, okay, this is it. I'd like to know what what a Duck Universe Civil War would have been about. I mean, it would have been pretty bad if it was about slavery. Um. <laughs> yeah, they, they really uh, they go out of their way to not explain at all what the Civil War is in regards to. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I kind of want to read the fourth graders uh, book report on this episode and see what they come up with, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I I just couldn't figure out, but like, yeah, once you see the once you see the the stars and bars there, it's kind of like, okay, this this is this is all the same universe. This is yeah, I, I I I was a little confused, but I mean, it's a duck universe, and I think that the ducks had a civil war. I don't know like, what I, they had a civil war about, but they had a civil war. <laughs> yes. They, they don't want us to know what this civil war was about, apparently. <laughs> so uh, all the gang, Huey, Dewey, Louie, Doofus, and Launchpad, they go to fly into Duck Ridge. Mm -hmm. uh, Doofus says he wants to take pictures for a scrapbook, as you mentioned. He's got the, the big camera there with the flash on it. Yep. And he gets, gets a close-up of Launchpad, and you know he, he goes blind. And they almost hit a group of people on a hill, and they crash land in a chicken coop. Yep. And one of the two that just hit the deck asks, was that McQuack? And after the crash, they say, is there any doubt? <laughs> so we get a, a little hint of what's to come here with uh, McQuack and the history of the McQuack family. Uh, one of those men happened to be the mayor. He is Mayor Rufus B. Pinfeathers, oh. which I was a little confused about because... 
He doesn't have any feathers. He's got like the 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 dog nose, but he's pin feathers. So I'm a little. It, it, yeah, again, it's just it, it's a lot of blending of different animals in these universes. Uh, and I know why they do that is because, you know, you don't want to just have all ducks. Yes. I mean, otherwise you're going to call it Howard the Duck. And that's not a That's a different that, that's a different group altogether. That's not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's it is interesting that there's a mix of, of different um, animals in this world. And one of them being the mayor. Um, I, I do love the the name of Beauregard. That Bo- Beauregard. Yes, it's that's such a good name. <laughs> I mean, even going back to Violet Beauregard from uh, Charlie and the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Beauregard Dubark is the uh, is the is the man, and uh, yeah, so he he looks like a dog as well, and he's Dubark, so that makes sense. I guess maybe Rufus Pinfeathers, his his dad was a a duck or or something like that, and. Uh, he just got the, his mom's traits, who was a, a dog, I guess. So dogs and ducks are intermingling in this world, which yeah. is a little off-putting. But let's move on. <laughs> well, I think pin feathers is actually like a reference to to a dog. Is it? Yeah, pin feathers. Or maybe not. No, pin feathers. Because I looked up pin feathers, and it was something about pooch the dog or something from like 1930. So I don't know. Maybe I'm. It was a 1933 short film. It's the 10th Pooch the Pup cartoon. So I guess the pooch is called Pin Feathers, maybe? I don't know. But no, it's about a bird. See, now I'm all confused. What the hell? <laughs> so was I. Okay, moving on. Okay. So um, the mayor thanks Launchpad for honoring them with his presence. So And Launchpad tips his hat at them. But it's not a hat. It's a chicken because he just came out of a chicken coop. So, uh, yeah. What I like is. <laughs> He just picks up the chicken, not the chicken plus his, his leather hat that he has. It's like it would have been funny if the leather hat came off too, but no, it's just the chicken he does. He pulls the chicken up. Yeah, this chicken that was just displaced from his home thanks to his recklessness. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, with the mayor is uh, Colonel Dubark, mm-hmm. and he is uh, apparently a member of the Historical Society and owner of the Civil War Souvenir Shop, which they really had to get that in there, and it didn't really come into play besides the fact that Huey, Dewey, and Lou were looking in the window at one point. So I'm not sure why they had to say he was had this shop. But anyway... So back in the day, Elijah Dubark, his uh, great-great-grandfather, fought Launchpad, or fought Launchpad's great-great-grandfather, I should say, in the Battle of Duck Ridge. Mm-hmm. So Launchpad says, it must have been tough to have that loss hanging over your family for so long. And Dubark is like, what loss? But the mayor calms him down and says, don't upset the apple cart when the apples are still on the tree. Yeah. Which I don't really get that. I don't get it either, except... It just sounds like a way of saying like, don't don't yeah like don't upset the apple cart because the moron is still standing right here and we got him right where we want him. Ha ha. Wait, wait, nudge nudge. Right. I, I like that Colonel Beauregard debarks kind of doing his best impression of Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls. Uh, <laughs> I do declare, Mister. <laughs> A little bit of that, a little bit of a foghorn like horn, but yeah. I say, I say, I say, yes. <laughs> what is the problem here? <laughs> so bad. So from there, we go to the Civil War parade, where Launchpad is in rhubarb McQuack's uniform, <laughs> uh, rolling with his nephews and Doofus. They're all in this convertible on the parade route, and the onlookers start laughing as they pass. And one of the nephews is like, "Why? 
Launchpad said they just must be happy to see him. So we're, we're getting uh, we're getting the um, inkling that something's up with uh, the McQuack name in uh, Duck Ridge. So now we're post parade and we see uh, everyone is uh, exiting the uh, convertible, but Launchpad's jacket gets stuck, so he's. Uh, you know, he's bumbling around and the mayor's like, hey, you don't have to act like the general until tomorrow. <laughs> Everyone's been rehearsing for weeks, he says. And then Launchpad pulls his coat out of the door and goes flying. And the mayor says, looks like you've been rehearsing, too. So then we go to uh, McQuack's men rehearsing and they say, one, two, flee. And they bump into each other trying to get away. So we, we get the the feeling that um, things are not looking good for the rhubarb McQuack portion of this uh, reenactment yes uh dewey says uh, i think it's dewey he says i don't know about you guys but i don't think general rhubarb won this battle so he's finally putting it together and uh mayor says yeah it's time to break the news to him and beauregard says i may be the first person in the world to say this but i can't wait to see his face i don't know what that means <laughs> like it's calling him ugly basically i think oh okay <laughs> I, I didn't get that line. I was like, okay. I think that's what, yeah, I think is what he's saying. Like, no one wants to see his face, but it's, so this is the first time anyone's ever said that. Okay. So, uh, Rhubarb is, or Rhubarb, uh, Launchpad, his great great grandson, is uh, firing up the troops. They're talking about how they have to work together, and the mar- marauders start laughing, and the mayor says, You cannot win this battle. Launchpad says, Rhubarb is a hero. And the Colonel, uh, Colonel DeBark says, yeah, he was our hero because of Rhubarb's blundering. We won this battle. The mayor goes into a flashback and we, we see Rhubarb looking exactly like Launchpad, but with the Raleigh Fingers orange mustache. Yes, the Raleigh thing. Oh, I love that. Now, I got a question for you, though. Yeah. If ducks could have mustaches, where would they go? Because this one on Rhubarb, the mustache was like in the middle of the top of his, you know, the middle of his top bill. And so I'm not sure that looks right. Shouldn't it be like on the very end, like, you know, on his upper lip? Mm. What do you think? I would say you're right, except I don't know if ducks could grow mustaches. I feel like if ducks grew facial hair, it would just be kind of like a little goatee and it would be underneath their bottom bill. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could. But then again, they probably do have some kind of hair like substance on their on their bill. It's been a long time since I've done an anatomy check on a duck. So I'd have to go back and look this up and figure it out. But I'm sure that they could pro- possibly grow. You know what? A duck can grow a mustache wherever they want to grow their mustache because ducks are good people. So we're going to let them grow their mustache wherever they want. That's very uh, <laughs> nice of you. Uh, so anyway, uh, they show Rhubarb. He's on a horse and he and his men are on the edge of a cliff. And the lookout inconspicuously is in a hot air balloon nearby. Mm. I don't know why he he couldn't just look off the cliff. He's like way overhead, everybody. I don't know why he needs this lookout on a hot air balloon, but I guess they needed it to come into play later on when he's (laughs) screwing up. Oh, so you're saying it was Deus Ex Machina was the the hot air balloon? (laughs) Yeah. So the, the mayor says that the troops had the high ground. All he had to do was draw his sword and lead them to victory. Mm. And Rhubarb goes to pull his sword, but there's no blade on it. <laughs> yeah, the blade, the blade came off. Yeah, and he's anyway, and he yells "Charge!" and trots his horse Wiley Coyote style right off the cliff. 
The thing I liked is that he when he pulled at least he didn't you didn't hear the ring sound when he pulled the sword out because um, if anybody that knows real swords, that's not what they sound like when they come out of their sheaths. And that's like one of the big things that Hollywood does. It's incorrect. So I was pleased that that didn't show up. <laughs> well, because there was no blade. They, 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 that oh, wouldn't oh, make sense. Oh, yeah, I guess that may. Well, you're right. <laughs> so he, he falls off the cliff or he jumps off the cliff and he ends up tangled in the ropes of the hot air balloon. <laughs> And Rhubarb's men were so embarrassed by this, the mayor says, that they ran off never to be seen again. So that's how the battle went down. Yes. Um, I guess that he just stayed there on the ropes and they shot him and killed him. I don't understand what, <laughs> how the battle actually ended. Yeah, we never got the, we never got the gruesome end to, uh, <laughs> to Rhubarb. Yeah. Rhubarb. I mean, it would have been funny if, now, what I thought would have been good is if, and this would have made sense for it to be insensitive and be removed from Disney Plus, is if they then later go on to talk about how they lynched him, and you know they had a we had a good old fashioned lynching here on the south. <laughs> oh God, Rhubarb McQuack. Yeah, it's probably best they didn't get into that. All that. Yeah, they left that part out. Yes, they did. They did. Uh, so the mayor says, "Yeah, that's why you can't win tomorrow because that's how it all went down." and but they don't want uh, Launchpad to be upset and leave. So uh, they try to get him to stay. And Beauregard is uh, saying, say you'll stay. And Launchpad's like, you'll stay. Oh, yeah. This this gem of a, of a back and forth between these two people. <laughs> yeah, it ends up with Launchpad saying, I'll stay, idiot. Because that's what Beauregard told him to say. Yeah. So anyway, Launchpad's sticking around and they're kind of off to the races they meet Grace the horse, who is apparently the direct descendant of Rhubarb's horse. <laughs> the horse stumbles around, and Launchpad really isn't keen about riding a horse at all. Mm. He's worse with horses, uh, apparently, one of the uh, nephews says, than with planes. Right. So he ends up putting the saddle on backwards, and Grace takes him around town, <sighs> and he's riding backwards, a la Bobby Heenan at WrestleMania 9. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby Heenan made it look more graceful. Much more, yes. Yeah, no, uh, doof, doofus. Doofus comes over. He's like, oh, hi, guys. Uh, let's see. Put the thing on backwards. Oh, I hate doofus. <laughs> Grace the horse is like a bat out of hell. And uh, they're going up to Death Ridge, say the nephews. Hmm. So Grace and Launchpad end up in some cave. And the horse ends up bucking uh, Launchpad off. Yeah, and he looks up and he's confronted by three men with long ass beards and muskets. Mm. It turns out they are the lost marauders that have been missing since abandoning Rhubarb McQuack many many years ago. Real quick, I just want to go back to the now. This is where the synopsis on Wikipedia threw me for a loop. Yeah, one of the synopsis part sentences on there is. Meanwhile, Doofus and the nephews learn that a businessman is exploiting the reenactments for financial gain. And I'm like, oh, is there like a something that I'm, I'm going to miss? No, this was the scene before Doofus shows up to explain that uh, Launchpad put the seat on backwards. Huey, Dewey, and Louie are walking around town and they notice that um, DeBark owns the store, as we've explained earlier, right. and that He's just selling tchotchkes to people in reference to this uh, reenactment. It makes it seem like he's he's doing something wrong to gain f for financial gain. No, 
that's what happens if you go to like one of these towns that has like a famous, you know, legend story or whatever. There's souvenir shops all over the place. Like, it makes sense that the guy opens a souvenir shop. I was a little upset by this. I was like, you know, aside from the fact that Beauregard DeBark is a Southern sympathizer, you know, pretending to be a Confederate soldier in this duck universe, the only thing he's really doing wrong is that he takes pleasure out of making sure that the uh, Launchpad McQuack or the McQuack family is embarrassed year after year after year. I don't think that he's a horrible person. He's not, you know, he's not a normal, typical villain in this episode. He just happens to be kind of like a sort of an antagonist, I'll say. Yeah, so I, I didn't. I probably put way more thought into this episode than you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, yeah, I I didn't pick up on that at all. The, uh, the thing with the souvenir shop. But uh, yeah, I guess the recap there put a lot more weight on it than I think existed in the episode. Yeah, Peter Winston's been rubbing off on me. I'm, I'm, I'm I notice way too many things now. <laughs> um, so yeah, these these guys are, are uh, members of the old battalion. The entire battalion has been hiding there since the quote unquote disgrace at Duck Ridge, <laughs> and they got like a whole community there. They got chickens. They got a boat, a boat on wheels. This is four generations later. Yes. Great, great grandfather. <laughs> so how old will we surmise these people are? I, they got to be at least 100 years old, 150 years old. I mean, they're that old. I don't know. What's the average lifespan of a duck? I don't I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they do live. Maybe they like turtles and they live to be 150 years old. I don't know. Well, they all, they all have the long white beards. Um, so they got that going for them. They say that they haven't left the cave since that lousy, rotten, bumbling polecat McQuack (gasps) lost us the Battle of Duck Ridge. (laughs) And they repeat that line a number of times. number of times, yes. It's a good line. I I like that you threw in the uh, (gasps) deep breath inside, yes. So it's just kind of like the He-Man Rhubarb Haters Club up in that that cave there. Rhubarb Haters, yes. We're also introduced to Eagle Eye, who is the lookout from the balloon, and he apparently used to have good eyesight, but now he's full on like Mr. Magoo, hitting on horses he thinks are women. Mm. Um, So Grace the horse uh, is a little off-put by this uh, advance, and she kind of backs up, as she should, and she puts her ass into a furnace. Yeah, she backed that ass up. (laughs) She did, right into the fire. So she... She jumps straight up into the air onto a stalagmite, or is it, is it a stalagmite or a stalactite? The ones that hang from the top of the cave. Stalactites, I believe, hang. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. So the stalactite uh, cracks off and it ends up bringing the entire cave crashing down, sending all the old uh, soldiers running. Uh, of course, they have to grab the boat on wheels because they're going to need that later on. But once they get out, they think they can't show their faces in town because of what happened. Yes. So Launchpad, who, by the way, has another chicken on his head from the cave, goes all uh, patting on them, just uh, giving them the uh, the speech of a lifetime, saying they have a second chance with this reenactment. And this time, with him leading the charge, things are going to be different. And he does a big salute, and the chicken bites his finger, and he falls over. The soldiers say it must run in the family. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that was a uh, that was a that was a that was a great moment, a very proud moment in the episode. Uh, you know. <laughs> yes. So yes, it's reenactment time. We are here finally. Uh, the reenactors are up on the cliff. Those those guys that were uh, bumbling around saying one two flee earlier, they're waiting to start. And Huey pops up from behind a rock and says, "We got lemonade back here." <laughs> it's almost like. Hey, boys, look what we got here. Where the white women at? It was really, I think, what they were going for. That was, that's, the, that's the adult joke that they throw into, like, kid cartoons to make adults laugh. I mean, if someone told me they had lemonade back there, I'd definitely go. I'm, I'm all about lemonade these days. Me, it, w- it would have to be pink lemonade. But, yes, pink lem- lemonade, yes. Would it be uh, Paul Newman's, Newman's own? Sure. Yeah, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the uh, reenactors come running. They go running behind the rock, and we hear a big commotion, and the old soldiers come walking out. So we're to believe that these 120-year-old uh, soldiers beat up these three reenactors. The, the reenactors, I don't think the reenactors were the cream of the crop of this town. So, <laughs> I mean, one of them seemed pretty fat, so I'm pretty sure that, uh, yeah, they weren't the – two of them actually were pretty fat. One of them was a pig. <laughs> like a legit pig. So lemonade. That's really funny though. Um, yeah. So stupid. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> so uh Huey, after this happens, sends a signal down uh, the mountain, and Dewey and Louie send a signal from there over the launch pad. Uh that apparently they killed these warring actors in cold blood. So that's <laughs> kind of I'm guessing that's just what happened back there behind that rock. We stabbed these people and took their <laughs> took their shit. Yes, essentially. So Launchpad and Beauregard are down in the center of town uh, on their horses by the stage with the problematic flag hanging over it. <laughs> and the mayor says, you guys know your parts, but if you get lost, I will prompt you from the script here on, you know, on this microphone. So Launchpad uh, goes up the mountain and gets in position on the cliff. Yep. And Huey tells him all he has to do is nothing. Nothing. Don't do anything. <laughs> so there's no chance for history to repeat itself. Well, let's see how I can f*** this up. <laughs> so so Launchpad says we can't lose. And Doofus says, yeah, you never lose, except the cards, checkers, video games, blah, 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 blah. So uh, the battle begins. Launchpad says, let's kick him in the pants. Mm. And the mayor says this isn't in the script. Which I don't know how the mayor is able to hear him that far away. He's <laughs> up on a cliff. I mean, and he doesn't, it's like he shouts, but he doesn't shout that loud. No, it, it is quite a distance. Yeah. Maybe it's a wireless mic. I don't know. Kick him in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. They didn't have wireless mics in 1987. Are you sure? <laughs> they just certainly didn't have them in, the, in this duck universe. Yeah, maybe this duck universe, they get uh, all the latest technology. You never know. That could be true. That could be true. So uh, right after he says this, the mayor, uh, his mic goes dead. Mm. The nephews are underneath the stage and they have pulled the plug. Yep. So the mayor can't shut his instructions now. So here come the soldiers down the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, McQuack's marauders. This isn't in the script either, says the mayor. Mm. And uh, uh-oh, then we hear charge. Yeah. And here comes Launchpad. He couldn't just leave well enough alone. 
He goes sailing off that cliff again and ends up once again in the ropes of Eagle Eye's balloon. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why he's jump. First of all, can we ask why is why is either him or Ruben Ruben Rhubarb Rhubarb Ruben mm, I could go for a Ruben Ruben mm. McQuack. Why are they jumping off of this cliff? Like, does that seem like something that? Should have happened. I don't think so. Like, why no. would you off the cliff? Yeah, I, I mean, apparently it's not a straight drop. They, 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 it, it, it goes down to a mountain, so you can, as we see, they can kind of make their way down. But uh, running down the mountain, I understood that. You know, I can understand that. No, this one, both the great great grandfather and him just jump right off the cliff like they're gonna fly away. Yeah, it's a you could it's it's a risky move, risky, very risky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once he ends up tangled up in the balloon again, the mayor says, now that's in the script. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from uh, from there, Eagle Eye dumps some weight uh, and the balloon starts rising. Mm. Meanwhile, the second wave of uh, attackers is supposed to be led by this boat on wheels that they got from the cave. Yes. But the brake is rusted and Huey can't get it moving. He can't move the... Uh, the break. So here comes Launchpad. He's fall. He falls off the horse uh-huh. from the balloon, tangled up with the ropes, and he lands on the break, which turns the break off and sends the boat careening off the cliff as well down the side of the mountain into the town. Uh-huh. They start firing cannons, which fire grits. <laughs> Did I hear that right? What is a grit exactly? I don't know. Uh, uh, these are how many grits? Oh, how many? <laughs> <laughs> it's from my cousin Vinny. Sorry. Yes, yes, exactly. How many? Huh. <laughs> I know they can't fire, you know, cannonballs, but grits. That was a choice. Have you ever had grits before? No. Oh, they're so. I'm good. scared of them. Oh no, they're so good. Uh, my. My dad was from the South. Um, you know, he was, thankfully he wasn't in a Confederate war, you know, he wasn't that we know of. He wasn't a descendant of the Confederacy, but, uh, <laughs> we, we grew up on eating grits and stuff and they're very good, but yeah, once grits kind of get a little dried out, yeah, they're about as painful as I would think a cannonball would be if you got hit in the face with them. So I hope these were nice new warmed grits that they were shooting at these poor unsuspecting town folk who were just trying to do a reenactment. <laughs> it seemed like it didn't do too much damage. Yeah, they seem to enjoy it actually, which is good. A little bit, yeah. So so the boat comes uh barreling through the town, ends up crashing into the bleachers after some of the uh, you know, the onlookers jump out of the way. Mhm. And so the marauders, McQuack's marauders surround Dubark's men and Beauregard Dubark surrenders. Yes. He does. As he should. Smart man. So the Union wins. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yes. For real this time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we cut to the soldiers on stage, and the mayor says we will no longer celebrate the humiliation of these uh, honorable soldiers. Yep. Beauregard says, now we know how you must have felt. And the mayor welcomes them to stay in Duck Ridge as honored citizens and uh, gets a big pop from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And the whole episode ends with Doofus taking one final picture of Launchpad and the soldiers on stage, thankfully cropping out a certain flag that hangs ominously above them. Yes. 
And that was the episode Launchpad Civil War, DuckTales, and uh, Keith, what'd you think overall? 10 out of 10. No, I think- Whoa. That- we didn't even get we didn't even get to the uh, the ranking system yet. Uh, l- l- yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to uh, the spectrometer. <laughs> the spectrometer is zero to four spectros, not ten. Oh, good. And zero is like you know the worst piece of garbage you've ever seen, and four is nothing's ever been any better in the history of animation than this thing here. Keith Langston, how would you rank DuckTales Launchpad Civil War? I would say I'll give it, I'll go generous and I'll give it a two. Uh, Maybe a one and a half to two. Um, I'll give it a two because I think that overall the lack of Scrooge McDuck, first of all, Uncle Scrooge, and also just um, too much focus on Launchpad kind of being you know, very moronic, very goofy-esque, um, along with stupid doofus. I mean, there was not, <laughs> you know, they, they totally seem to drop any other storyline as far as Dubark was like a villainous person. Um, I mean, it just, it seemed like this was just a classic case of all everybody misunderstanding everybody else. Um, I don't understand how I looked it up. The the lifespan of a duck is like five to ten years. So I don't know how these Civil War veterans are living 150 years in a cave, nonetheless. And then in 150 years, they never came out of the cave. Yet they're able to grow food and produce and have chickens and everything else. It just doesn't make much sense. So from a whole standpoint, I'd say a two because it was entertaining at least. So I would think you you would give it a little uh, bump for, just for nostalgic reasons, no? Um, I mean, every cartoon at this point that we watch is a nostalgic thing, but um, <laughs> you know what? All right, you say that, and I think about it. It is related to the Civil War. I am a history buff. Uh, it did. Re- it was a reference to an actual real battle. So based on that, I'll give it a two point two five. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'll give it a two. All righty then. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for this. I wasn't really uh, – I think I was on to Transformers and G.I. Joe at this time. So, uh, yeah, DuckTales wasn't really in my in my wheelhouse. Um, I, I could see it, it's entertaining. It's hard to you – know, so it's hard to review something that's uh, clearly for children and children in 1987. Uh, so, I, I, it was perfectly entertaining. Um the the animation was was good for the for the time especially, um, yeah the fact that there's no Uncle Scrooge after all this build up we did especially on this podcast there's no Uncle Scrooge, and uh, Doofus didn't really do a lot for me either so uh, I I can uh, I'm in the same boat with you on that the same boat on wheels with you on that um, so yeah I'll, I'll give it a two alrighty then so we're in agreement. We are. So uh, the other question that Matt likes to ask is uh, if a kid in 2022, mm-hmm. 2022 were to find uh, the 1987 version of DuckTales, uh, especially this episode, Launchpad Civil War, and they sat down and watched it, would they enjoy it? Oh, sure. I think so. Because I think it's goofy enough that 
uh, no pun intended, Goofy being a, uh, you know, uh-huh. mainstay. But I think that it's, I think it's goofy enough and fun enough and entertaining enough to keep people interested. Absolutely. I mean, what's not to love? Let's put it this way. They rebooted the show. The show was so good, they rebooted it again. I mean, you know, they don't, they only do that for good shit. You know what I mean? You sure? No, but I think <laughs> I'm still, I would say yes. I think that people would watch it and they would enjoy it. Yeah, I think they probably would. I mean, I think, yeah, I think a kid would find this uh, entertaining. I mean, they, a lot of the Civil War stuff probably go over the heads. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> that, that, that'd that be a good thing. But um, yeah, I, I think they'd uh, be perfectly entertained by it. So what do you guys think out there? Are you guys listening? Uh, let Matt Spector know. He is at Matt Spector on Twitter and he is on Facebook. Uh, Matt Spector through the multiverse. Go to the like page and uh, give your feedback on DuckTales and Launchpad's Civil War. Uh, Keithy, can I call you Keithy? Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so uh, this is the part of the show where we... Uh, give you the reins and let you plug whatever you got to plug. I know you got lots of stuff going on. Let us know what's going on in the world of Keith Langston. Well, you can always find me on uh, GFA live with Pete uh, that you can find on Apple podcast, which has been weird and wonky for some reason, but um, you can find us on Spotify as well as um, any other kind of podcatcher app that's out there. Get him off SoundCloud, will you, for crying out loud? He, he, You know what, though? He keeps saying that the SoundCloud, he wants to not do it anymore, but then it seems to be like the only feed that keeps that gets updated regularly, and then there's always this issue with having it go cross over to iTunes, or Apple Podcast, rather. So um, I, that's why I say, like, we're on Spotify, which I find hilarious. I think it's great that I'm on Spotify. <laughs> like, that yeah. just makes me laugh. So, um, you know, but anywhere you can find us, please do. Um, I'm also doing some other shows. Um, I've did uh, the Multiverse of Madness with uh, Johnny C, where we we did a great episode. It came out on on Halloween, uh, where we rebooked uh, we rebooked basically Tuesday in Texas, and it was uh, it was called Spooky Slam. That was a really fun time. Um, I've also been um, I did uh, the Freak Out Drive In with Jenny with the Jenny position where we watched basket case. And that was a real fun time. Is this on like the place to be nation? Is this, this is on, I believe. No, that's on the North South connection. Those two. Okay. The place to be pop podcast. I've done a couple of, um, the Mount Rushmore's. One of them was on, uh, it was on Halloween episodes of television shows, as well as then Treehouse of horror episodes. And then there was an older one that I did, which was the 2000 action and comedy movies. You can catch me also always on Twitter at Floundery24 until Twitter formally shuts down, I think, uh, sooner or later. <laughs> but you can catch me on there as well as Facebook. It's If you look me up, Keith Langston, or you know, you'll find me on Facebook as well. So please reach out to me. And uh, if you want to say something or tell me to go pound sand, I love hearing it. So please do. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't tell you to go pound sand, but uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, of course, guys, uh, you can find uh, this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those places. Make sure to subscribe wherever you uh, are listening to this podcast right now. And um, once again, thank you, Keith, for uh, being a part of the show. And I think that's it for us. Uh, Tarzan, uh, Matt Spector should be back next week. So we will see you then. And uh I don't know how to end this. 
Um, we'll see uh, you next week on Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior!